Well, hey, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Becoming Better podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Krismer, and we're so glad you're here. On today's episode, Josh, Ken, and I sit down and we discuss the financial hoarding warnings in the New Testament and how to know if we have saved too much, some practicals of how we will track our Excel goals and how to stay on mission as a growing church. As always, if you have any questions or comments from Sunday's message, be sure to join us at quadcity.church slash podcast, where you can submit your questions to be answered right here on the show. Well, without further ado, we hope you enjoy this episode. Hey guys, good morning. Buenos dias. That's not how we do this, Ken. I just did it. So say happy Monday. Golly. You sound like a Yankee. A Yankee. Compared to Jason. Uh, well, I am. I know. Compared to Jason. That would be why. You Which is funny because as far as like the the longitude, you probably grew up further south. Is Jersey for just I'm really bad at geography, but is Jersey further south than no? no? I don't think so. Are we sure about that? No. But I'm, I'm positive. Yeah. I'm positive. I just yeah, think when you, I think I think East Coast being just like further south. If we're talking like that, North, I know that makes no sense. We're but. talking like North Carolina or South Carolina, then yeah, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, because Kentucky is south of Pennsylvania. Yeah. Like on its east west on its longitude. There yeah, that would go. be one. Or latitude. That's latitude. Is it? It is. Okay. You didn't know you were gonna get a geography lesson when you Jumped on the podcast as one did you listen? Yeah, anyways, Jason is uh, out. Their uh, annual elders retreat is early this week. So Ken's jumping in with us. Yes. Um, Josh is here. I'm here. So let's dig in. Hey, what'd you guys think? Um, obviously, we had a, a bit of a long week this past week with Advanced Commitment Night. Um, how'd you guys feel about Thursday? I loved it. Yeah. And I had. You know, I, I knew what to expect in the sense that we've been planning this for months, but we've never done anything like this because uh, I would call it like a vision night on steroids. Yeah. And it was, it was great. You know, even having read the message and knowing what the songs are going to be, what, when it all came together uh, and then seeing how many people <laughs> went forward with a commitment, a couple of my kids, oh, two wow. of my kids that were there, like they're all in. That's really cool. That was really cool. I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was cool to see, you know, uh, PV and Prescott people in the same room. Yeah. It hadn't happened. I mean, it may happen on a vision night, but it's, this was, like you said, much bigger. Yes. Way bigger scale for sure. So that was a really cool, uh, really cool thing. Yeah, I think the, just the feel of the whole event, right? So positive, so much energy. Like, we've been working towards this thing for weeks, right? Yeah. Like. Uh, really longer than that. I don't, how long have we been talking about this advanced commitment night? All oh, year, yeah, man. Internally, it's, internally. Yeah, all the, year. Yeah, it's been, right, probably January-ish when we started talking about yeah. uh, some of this stuff. And then, I mean, I just keep saying it's been like a year and a half that we've yeah. been talking about, hey, we need to start moving in this direction so that we can uh, figure out a long-term plan for PV. Um, and this is just, the advanced commitment night was a piece of that. So. Right. 
So yeah. it's, so to see it finally happen and then to also be done, like part of me was like, oh, shoo. right, that part's done. But yeah, that part. But the cool part. So a couple of parts stood out were the video was awesome. That bumper video. Yeah. Yes. Like I know we didn't know how it was going to go. If people were going to be like, oh, that's, oh, this is the land. Like yeah. Jason was expecting to have to maybe explain it. Yeah. Dude, everybody got it. They just started clapping as soon as he saw the, the thing. So for context, if you weren't able to make it on Thursday, um, and then I'll give a little peek behind the curtains because it yeah. was a really fun week leading into it. But we the bumper video for the message was a video of a drone going from the Finley Toyota Center where everyone was sitting while they were watching the video and flying over to uh, along Glassford Hill over to our property off Glassford Hill in Long Look. And on the property, uh, the creative team, David and, and Austin and Nate and Tyler and I and Dan and a bunch of people had gone out and we lined the perimeter of what will be the permanent PV campus in LED rope light so that you could see the footprint of the building on top of the property. And then there was a big Quad City sign in the center of it. So as soon as the in the video, the drone flew over the property and you could see the lights. It was late later in the evening, so you could see the lights all lit up. Everyone in the room just started clapping and going nuts. And I was backstage because I was playing guitar for Advanced Commitment Night. So I wasn't watching the video, but I just heard everyone start clapping. And I was like, oh, that's really cool that people knew immediately yeah. what it was and, yeah. and went nuts. The, the behind the scenes, the thing that made it so gratifying was it was a nightmare to get those lights set up. It was way harder than we thought it was going to be. Uh, we bought this rope light system that we thought we would be able to hook the whole thing together. It's like 1,100 feet. The perimeter is like 1,100 feet of rope light. So we bought a bunch of rope light, put the whole thing together, and then flipped the generator on and like two of the strands out of the 10 were working. So we ended up having to go drop individual... Um, extension cables to each you know individual strand of light and it was just a whole thing and david and the team worked two essentially two full days on it so to see it work to see the video and then to hear people so excited about it was really really cool and then the queue was lit up on the way out which yeah. was really cool because we went there that night to take it all down and it was really cool is so we're like across the street and i see on the other side is the middle school, yeah. right? And I know that you're unloading trailers and just like just that distance, that proximity, it really is like so close. I'm so glad that Leah Williams got a picture of that queue because I didn't see it because I went with the team to unload back at the school. And then the, the next day, I was like, you know, Leah had posted something to Facebook and I was like, that's how it turned out. That looks great. That must have <laughs> been neat to drive yeah. by. I know Dan, during the event, uh, he's our tech guy in PV, for those who don't know. Uh, he was walking around with a camera recording. What I would like to see is what, it, at the end, when Josh and I closed out the service, I would love to see a picture of you and I standing next to each other. Like, I'm standing there, we're going back and forth with the, the closing, and I'm like, this must look hilarious. It's like Gulliver and the Lilliputian. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So like, this must look so funny. Um, yeah, it was, it was really cool. I was glad I was able to go out and see the queue. And I know Amy got a picture of it also, if you need one, but, um, the other cool thing I was in Courtney's, uh, classroom. My wife teaches here in Prescott and uh, she's got a couple of aides in her classroom. And one of them was like, Hey, I saw your church sign the other night. And I was like, Oh, Thursday. 
And he was like, yeah, I was going to school. He goes to school at Yavapai right across the street from our property, um, the satellite campus there. And he was like, yeah, I drove past it. It looked awesome. So it just made me realize even that much more, you know, anyone... And Courtney has a sticker on her car. He doesn't go to church, um, but Courtney has a sticker on her car. So he recognized it from that and kind of knew what it was. So I just thought, man, there had to be a thousand people drive down Glassford Hill Road at some point over those three hours that that sign was lit up. That had nothing, that have nothing to do with what we're doing. That have zero, zero percent to do with what uh, we're doing. And I just wonder how many of them even recognized it how many of them were just distracted hopefully we didn't cause any car accidents i didn't even think of <laughs> people you know rubbernecking and looking what is that thing yeah so uh but i just thought man how cool uh is that just a little bit of like engagement to the community yes yeah that's a good point yeah a thousand is probably a very low estimate probably on that road busy busy road that the very busy road yeah especially with all that that construction they're doing right? well that's all right so Post whatever advanced commitment night, I had two very cool experiences yeah. that I would like to share. Sure. Uh, so what, uh, the most recent one was yesterday, Sunday. This gentleman comes up to me. I'm outside greeting people. He says, hey, can I have a few minutes? And he started coming uh, here at the Prescott campus, was baptized here, and then made the switch to PV. And he's, a young, he's an older man, but a young Christian. And he's, he has his commitment card. And he opens it up and he starts to fill it out and would encourage me is the first line was a zero. Like he, he has never given before. And now he's like, I, I want to do more. Uh, and I, I'm glad to be able to be doing this. And I was so, it was so encouraged me. I'm like, this is the part of 100% participation, right? Some people taking their first step. And he was so eager to do it. And that, that encouraged me. I said, okay, great. I don't need your card. Please drop an offering box. Like that's, uh, I, I don't want to have to deal with that. And that really gets us down to the whole point, right, of the Excel initiative, which is to grow in our discipleship. It has taken just that little step, if you've never taken it before, to say, hey, just I don't know how long he's been around. If he's a newer Christian, it's been maybe just a year or two. and About two and a half years, I'd say. So he's he's slowly but surely releasing all of the things to God. I mean, when we're baptized, right, I think of we always use the language like we're surrendering our life to Christ. And like we do that in that moment, but then over the course of the years to come, we continually do that with everything in our life. Right. Right. We make the active decision when we're baptized, but then we've got to go ahead and make all of these other decisions with our finances and with our time and serving and with uh, going and talking to our neighbor about Jesus. And we take all of these steps of surrender and that's the whole point of the thing. Again, raising money is awesome. Being able to build a, a building is going to be incredible. We we pray and hope for all sorts of impact through that stuff. But we're I love just hearing this, the quick stories of we're already having that discipleship impact now. So yeah, that's good. Yeah, you're right. You keep you make that decision again. I was like, oh yeah, that means this area too. Oh, and that means this relationship. Yes, we all these things come. And under like the Jason said Jesus. multiple times, this is usually the last area that we surrender fully yeah, for for all of us, right? And we know that. And so that's why teaching out of the text and tying it to what, you know, Paul says here in Corinthians to also what Jesus says is so important because it is a major discipleship issue, like a major one. And so here was the other experience. It was pretty neat. On Friday, I got a text message uh, from somebody from the PV campus said, hey, call me when you have five minutes. So I make the phone call later in the day. 
And this person says, hey, I know how I'm going to do this. I'm going to, how I'm going to support this initiative. I'm going to sell my house. I have more house than I need. I, I can move two miles away and pay cash for that house and write a check to the church and be done. And I'll have enough resources. I'm good. Like, I don't need the house that I have. I'm putting it on the market and I'm selling it. Wow. And I was just flabbergasted, like, wow. And I said, man, that makes me, I phrase it a little differently, but I'm like, man, that makes me really sit up straight when someone's going to be that generous and that sacrificial, the amount of responsibility on our end that comes with that. Like, I was like, that makes me sit up straight and pay attention and do my job the best of my ability and honor that sacrifice. It was so, it was a great way to start the weekend. Yeah, that is encouraging. Yeah. Not all of our conversations around some of this stuff have been this encouraging. Oh, no, so not I, at all. I really appreciate <laughs> no, the, uh, yeah. the, the the good, positive encouragement to kick off our time together. Yeah. Um, well, hey, let's dive in uh, to the message from Sunday. Got a bunch of questions, which is awesome. We're really excited to dig into some of these. Some of them are super practical uh, and some of them are you know, more based on the message and some of them are just Excel questions. So we'll dig into those. But before we do that, um, would love to just hear from you guys. Jason's message from Sunday. Uh, what stood out to you guys? What were some of the key takeaways? You can go first this time, Josh. Oh, yeah, thanks. Um, obviously, you know, we knew the saving stuff was coming. We've been talking about this for a little bit. You know, Jason popped in the office. I don't know how long ago it was now and said, hey, any verses in the New Testament around savings? Yeah. Until we start looking, and I'm like, I, I don't think so. Yeah, he was crowdsourcing. Yeah, he was. He was checking, <laughs> no. right? He was checking his facts. And again, I was like, I don't feel like there is. You know, it's usually an Old Testament thing. You know, Proverbs. I mean, it's mm-hmm. in there. So again, it's not right. that it's not for sure important, but yeah, the general crux of the idea, right? That he was just trying to push us to is oversaving, really hoarding. Um, right. And the warnings of riches in the New Testament, which are much more prevalent, right? And he just named, he just used Jesus's, right? He didn't <laughs> even get into other ones, right? Of all the things. So that part was cool. And I love the piece of our missionaries. So it was really cool. So that was probably f- a month ago, um, just because I oversee mission, Jason pops in the office and we're reading the text and he goes, hey, I want to highlight our mission partners. And so he's like, we got to do a video. And I was like, oh, man, our poor creative team. Like, we've <laughs> been doing keep up. so many videos. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing a like, lot of if videos. If you didn't know, there's a, a weekly devotional video. There's all the bumper videos. It's not like we have a large team. We have a Dan, that's who we have, who's been doing most of this. We had yeah. all the, the videos in the front end. And so all the stuff has been great. Like, And he's pretty new to our team. He's very new. Yeah, but I was like, oh, he's killing it. He's yeah, killing great it. Job, great like, job. I'm like, oh, Jace, we can't. Give him another one. Yeah, Dan, if you listen to the podcast, please don't quit on this. Yeah, please don't <laughs> It's not always going to be this way. <laughs> no. So we get our mission and partners, and we get new ones, like uh, Mike and Danelle. And yeah. it was cool to have Joe there for UCY. Mike, right? His name is Mike? Yes, but he's yeah. not new. They've been a, a No, no, but like new, a new voice in the past couple of years yes. that I guarantee our church didn't know about. Right? Many in our church. Many in our church. Yeah, because there's so many new people to the church since we've built the bigger auditorium. And yes, that's So again, yeah, so huge win. Obviously, Jay again on location there, which is really cool. He was on location. We just couldn't put it all in the video of where they're trying to actually buy a new place for their new church building to now reach more people, right? And so again, I loved how he just kind of closed it. When we we are faithful, it 
the fruit multiplies all the way across the world. Yes. Right. That's great. And man, just such a cool picture of what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Like we're trying to make disciples, whether that's here in Quad City or that's in Japan or that's in Africa or wherever that may be. So just a really cool thing. Yeah, it was. And what was neat in that video is we had three longer-term mission partners and two new ones, right? With the Village of Hope and safe Mike place. and Gail at a safe place. Yep. Yeah. Those are brand new mission partners that are serving our local community yep. in ways that the church is really isn't equipped to do. Right. But we need to do something for that community, but let's resource the people that are equipped to do that, that piece of the mission. Yeah. Uh, so that's great. I think one thing that stood out to me was actually at the, I caught part of the eight o'clock sermon on in the, uh, we have the YouTube or we just have a feed in, in the room for nursing moms. I'm getting it all set up. And it's at the, the Luke text where about if you're not rich towards God, you know, storing things up. And Jason had this line in there. He said, look, if you feel that you're being manipulated to give and something like manipulated to give or don't trust what, where it's going, he goes, okay then give it somewhere. Like don't yeah. get, then fine, give it somewhere else. And I, that like encouraged, he didn't say it at 9.30, I was in the service at 9.30, yeah. but that's like, we are fine, support advancing the kingdom. Um, now we'd like for people to do that here. If this is your church, then we do that here. But if for some reason you don't trust or feel like it's manipulative, still do it, but don't do it here. Yeah, absolutely. And we've said that a, a couple of times to outside of this series. Like I remember us saying that a number of times in the past, this idea of, right, we do have this command to be generous. We are encouraged and, and called to be a generous people as disciples of Jesus. And again, I believe that my generosity goes the furthest most often through the local church. Like that's what I believe because I know our church and I trust what we do and I trust the the mission and vision that we are on together. But if you're not there and you have a hesitancy, that doesn't mean you just get to not give. That's right. You don't just get to not be generous just because you don't trust your church. You still are called to be generous. So go find a place to do that. Um, now, the caveat to that is like, you should trust your church. Right. And if you don't, don't subject yourself to us. You should right. find some place to go where you can trust. And if you find yourself having a hard time trusting, even, and again, we've had this conversation a bunch of times in the midst of this series, like if you have a hard time trusting what we're doing right now, um, we are- Let's have a conversation. Always available. Yeah. Like we are some of the most available people to you. Um, because again, if this is your church and if you call Quad City your home, and if you trust us with your discipleship, with your kids' ministry, with the way that we disciple your students and student ministry, all of these things, then we want to help you get over and we want to help talk through whatever it is that you need to trust us in the area of finances as well. Um, again, we're more than happy to have that conversation because we think it's a big deal. So uh, I do think like if you have a hesitancy, we should work through that. We shouldn't just passively sit on that and give our money elsewhere. We should be able to work through that. Within yeah, the let church. us earn your trust. For sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. Let us earn, it should be earned. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so- no, I thought that that's really good though. Um, I, uh, you know, it was a good reminder and we've talked about this a bunch internally, but this is the first time Jason's voiced it externally, I think. Um, this idea that we are going to give a million dollars away to outreach, but that every single dollar that goes into the Prescott Valley location is also outreach. For like the next is, 150 years, yeah, right? Like it is the greatest. We had a question pop up at one of our uh, 
one of the gatherings that we had talking about this stuff, maybe a vision night, which was, um, man, what could we do if we just gave a $7 million away? And it was like, yeah, in the short term, you could probably do a lot of ministry with $7 million. But man, the ministry that takes place by investing that $7 million into a permanent place, a, a stake center in the town of Prescott Valley for the gospel of Jesus that will take place for for centuries to come. I just see so much hope in that and long-term benefit um, to where if we gave $7 million to feed the homeless, like, man, that would be an awesome immediate impact. But what's the long-term legacy of that compared to building a a place for people to come to know Jesus? So I loved that uh, that Jason kind of helped to reframe some of the, the spending on the Prescott Valley location as the greatest outreach we've ever been a part of as a church in a two-year period. That's right, because we're not building this just for the 300 and some odd, 400 people that come to Prescott Valley. Right. We're building right. this for the tens of thousands of people that are there and are moving there and to try to reach Well, them. the generations, right? Like, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ron talked about that at, you know, he shared what this oh, that was commitment means to him. And he's like, man, I've been here for generations and this is the greatest investment I can make. Yes. In growing disciples in Prescott Valley, right? It's such a cool picture from somebody who's literally been here for generations. Yeah. And he's going, hey, man, yeah. how can I as a family make sure that this for generations to come keeps going? Yeah. That yeah, was, that's really good. That was moving. So part of Jason's message as we start digging into some of these questions here um, was this idea that like simply put, there are far more warnings in scripture about oversaving than there are about even over spending, right? Like any other, uh, uh, you know, financial sort of issue. It seems that Jesus takes the most issue when it comes to finances with this idea of oversaving. Um, in this one question we got, just says, so grateful for your exposition of Jesus's words uh, of warning to us about uh, wealth for ourselves. Uh, one of the examples he gave was Luke 12, 20, the, the, story of the rich fool, right? And um, uh, she says it's especially clarifying, right? Could you talk more um, uh, about the contrasting attitudes towards wealth that put us in danger versus pro- providing uh, generousness of our, uh, oh, sorry, providing the genuineness of our love for Christ? Is it possible? Proving. proving. Oh, so yeah, sorry. Proving the genuineness of our love for Christ. Um, is it possible that we can deceive ourselves into believing that we are rich towards God when we really are not? Oh, we're always good at deceiving ourselves. That's in almost any and every area. We could absolutely do that. But what comes to mind is uh, in on Thursday night at the Advanced Commitment Night, and different people shared. Well, the first lady went up, Terry. She shared that she's going. She has these niceties, like subscriptions, like for a meal, subscription meal plans, or whatever. Like I have these things that are extras that are certainly not needs. These are wants, and I'm going to cut that out so that I can give to this. And that shows the the genuineness that she that she's asking about that. Like I that that's an attitude of I want I'll give this up because advancing the gospel and contributing towards that matters more to me. Uh, and so if we're not willing to give certain things up, that communicates to me, I'm, yeah, I'm giving, but, and I could do more, but I don't want to give up this thing. How it's one of the early messages, uh, how he, Jason quoted Tim, um, 
it ought to pinch, something to that yeah. effect. It ought to pinch. And if it doesn't pinch, are we are we more storing ourselves up towards God? Yeah, right. That quote of we're not really giving until we're giving up. Like what yeah, are we giving up something? Yeah, yes. right. Yep. Yeah. What is it that we're we're laying down at the feet of Jesus because we know, right, we're all better for me being generous rather than just spending this thing frivolously. Yeah, well, right. I think about this. So the text with use rich, you know, the fool. So the first thing is the reminder again that we are rich. Yeah, <laughs> that yes. We have to, we have to, we have to actually believe that is true. And it is true. Like we have to. And if we convince ourselves, that's I think one of the ways we convince ourselves that we're not is because we're like, well, I'm not rich. Right. I'm not Jeff Je- Bezos. Jesus talking to all these rich people. That's not really me, right? I'm not rich. So we need to like come to grips with that. But this came out of the Corinthians text when it talked about their generosity actually proved their confession to the gospel was true. So Paul links that you actually do, as Jason said, you your your talk matches your walk, right? Mm-hmm. So I would think in this area of hoarding, especially for the rich fool, is he he had he had barns already full. Then he got a surplus. So he had more than he needed, way more than he needed, right? And instead of going, maybe God is giving this to me for the sake of others and having that mindset, he basically said, you know what? I'm just going to make myself bigger barns, right? It's the story. It's the parable, right? And and he had essentially invested in himself instead of investing in the community. And so I think for us, when we look at the resources we have and there are opportunities, because that's what he says down verse 11 in 2 Corinthians is on every occasion, like you've been given these blessings so that on every occasion you can be generous, right? So if God is continuing to come to you to offer you opportunities to be generous towards others and your thought process is, ah, I don't know, I got to keep this. I got to store this up for me. I got to make sure I'm okay. I got to make sure my savings are okay. We could become the containers, like the Jason, right? Instead right? of and the conduit. Instead of the conduit. So I think that's how you know, right? How do I know that I, it's actually genuine? God continues to put opportunities in front of you, and you keep stepping out, and you keep saying, okay, God, you're giving me this. Obviously, that wasn't meant for me. Or you're even just asking the question, all right, God, I got all this stuff. What can I do? God, I got this house. <laughs> right. I, I don't need this. The world tells me I do. The world tells me I need this. I need these things. I need to make these decisions, you know, and you're starting to go, wait a minute, maybe not. Maybe I actually don't need this. Like, I I, I don't actually, I, I could do with less. I could, Terry, I could get rid of that thing and go to this thing, and that still will be satisfied, right? So I think that's as, as Jesus is approaching, as you're spending your time in prayer, as opportunities arise, if your feeling is more of a fear and consternation, like you're pulling back instead of opening your hands, I would think there is something in you that is not genuine. There's something in your faith that's not allowing you to be obedient in this area. You should figure that out, right? Well, I think one thing that's been great about this is the idea of 100% participation. And so it causes us to evaluate our heart around our sacrifice and our giving. Yeah. And so in her question, right, could you talk more about the contrasting attitudes towards wealth that put us in danger versus proving the genuineness of our love? One of those attitudes, right, I, I 
And this is understandable. Hey, I've worked hard for this. I've sacrificed. I got educated. I went bankrupt three times until my business made it, whatever, yeah. whatever it might be. And then I think our in the flesh, our reaction could be, and this guy wants me to give it away so that he can get some of it, which I love that on Thursday night, James like, look, I don't get a commission. Like this, this costs me. It doesn't uh, enrich me. It, yeah, my net worth goes down. And, and so when we are having that response in us, when we start to point at the person doing the speaking or the church's organization, then we have to evaluate, hold on, this in the scripture, even the Matthew 20, uh, the parable of the talents, that's straight up about money. <laughs> and I gave you this money to put it to work to advance my kingdom. That's, that's Jesus. And so we have to have the honesty with ourselves and the humility to say, okay, I'm having an issue here. And my issue isn't with the guy preaching. It's not with the elders. This is with, between me and Jesus. Yeah. And last time I checked, Jesus has always been right. Not me. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. I'm going to jump ahead here to a few. Uh, I'm just going to go into a few really practical questions here that came in last week. The first one is this. Uh, in the weekly bulletin, uh, it still reports out go big contributions, which is true. We do still report those in the weekly bulletin. Um, email. Email. Is what email it, yeah, yeah, it says bulletin. It's really in the email. It's not in the bulletin. <laughs> People are like, it's an bulletin. email bulletin. Uh, <laughs> it is a bulletin. Yeah, the weekly newsletter. <laughs> So, uh, uh, should these funds be rolled up into the general fund for the new concept of not splitting out uh, where contributions are going? Uh, yes. So here's what's going to happen. Um, Josh and Ken on, or sorry, uh, Josh and Colin on their respective campuses as hosts this past weekend talked about this idea of um, this upcoming Sunday, the 24th of September, being our commitment Sunday. This is the Sunday where, um, again, just to total, be totally clear on this, we are not asking anyone to bring a check, to begin giving, to do anything other than to uh, state the commitment you feel God calling you to make. It is all about bringing forward a commitment card. We're going to make a big part of our service that and honoring that, those sacrifices. Um, however, we're not starting the initiative on Sunday. Um, we'll begin on October, about a month out, October 22nd, uh, four more weeks is when the Excel initiative technically begins. That's where the two-year time clock starts, right? It's this uh, season of generosity. It's our first big give. So if you've got any stored resources that you're giving, that's a great weekend to do that. Um, or that's when you just start your, whatever your monthly uh, offering, new monthly offering is when you start to, to give back. On that weekend, you'll see a couple of changes if you give online. Um, as we've said over and over again, this is a one-fund campaign, one-fund initiative by design uh, so that every gift that is given uh, is honored. That's what we want to try to do to the best of our abilities. Jason talked about that two weeks ago. If you missed that, go back and listen to that message. He did a great job explaining why we're doing that. Uh, we believe it's the best way to honor what everyone is giving over the course of the next two years. Uh, on that weekend, what you'll see happen is the, uh, if you give online, you'll see the go big option go away and you'll see the general fund Prescott, general fund Prescott Valley options give away. All three of those will be replaced with one giving option, which just says Excel. Um, and that is where everyone gives everything. Now, the, just maybe to clarify, and there's another question in here that I might be stepping on the toes of a little bit. Um, around Prescott and PV and how do you give to those two options and why. 
the reality is uh, the only reason we've had a general fund Prescott and a general fund PV option when it comes to our online giving is because it's historically has been the easiest way for us to identify uh, income that comes in through the Prescott campus and income that comes in through the Prescott Valley campus. That has nothing to do with how that money is spent. That is all still one general fund. If you give to PV, that money is not only being spent in PV, goes to the general fund, which funds our ministry budget. It funds all of our missionaries, all of our outreach partners locally and globally, all of the stuff that we do. So every dollar that you give goes to everything that we do. Uh, again, I think that's really, really important to feel that buy-in. It's why we don't do specific designated offerings. We don't allow that. A lot of the times that comes with strings attached or preferences. It's a way that people use to control where their money is going. When again, like we just talked about, we believe we are one church with multiple locations and we are going to fund the ministry of Quad City from all of those locations. Uh, so on the 22nd, all those are going to go away, all those options. Uh, you're going to have one option that is Excel and we will start um, uh, reporting the offering coming in by the campus that you attend, right? We, for most people, have that data uh, if you attend in Prescott, we have that in our, our database. And if you attend in Prescott Valley, and even the only reason we do that, right, is just to make sure that we're financially solvent on both locations and that we're planning accordingly and staffing accordingly and all of that stuff. So, um, but again, just want to reiterate, every dollar goes to everything that we do. Um, there is no designated fund. You're not just giving to Prescott or Prescott Valley. Uh, we are a one fund model church. So, um, there's the question about Go Big, and it also kind of answers the next question, which is when giving online, it still asks which campus you want your money to go to, which again is a little bit of a misconception because it's not really which campus you want your money to go to. It's which campus it's coming from. <laughs> exactly. It's actually the opposite way um, around there, Prescott or PV. Uh, if all the money is getting pulled together, does this need to be updated? Yes, it does. And yes, it will uh, on the 22nd of October. So, And we've always had the one fund. Uh, you know, that's what it sounds yes. like. Which well, is never, go, I mean, Go Big was different, right? Go but was but different. in our general budget, general fund. like we've yes. always just had the one thing that, yes. like yeah. you said, supported everything. Absolutely. So it's not a huge shift. Now again, Go Big was, right? And I think that was, again, just more how generosity campaigns were done in the past. Yeah. Right. It was the above and beyond. Yeah. It was the little thermometer in the hallway. We've made the thing. And I think just looking at it, um, and obviously Jason's done them both now, right? And just his, I think, conviction around, oh man, we want to honor all the gifts. Yeah. We yes. want everything to be honored because we do have people who who do, I mean, they're given to capacity, man. They're excelling right. in their generosity already. already. Right. already. <laughs> and just because they can't take another step doesn't mean they're not sacrificing. Yeah. yeah. So they've already been sacrificing. So again, I want to, I'm with you. I still want to honor those folks. Um, I, also too, right? The PV Prescott is also just kind of how we know like who's at what campus, right? Like you yeah. said, just practically like when everybody left to go to PV, it was like, who actually is going with Kenny? Right, right. <laughs> Who is it, right? Yep. Oh, well, okay, this is how we'll kind of help designate that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, but cause you can't go by address in this city because right. so people live in Prescott, go to Prescott Valley. There are people who live in yeah. Prescott Valley, come, come to Prescott. Prescott. So yeah. that, you know, it can't be like everyone who lives here is going there. Like we can't assume that. Yep. So it does help. And with the, when it was go big to what happened with people like, say maybe you weren't able to give to go big or you had, you gave what you could give and you gave that. Well, 
everything that was given above the, the dollars that came in compared to the dollars that went out, it was always less went out than came in. So then that surplus was applied to go big. It's For like sure. people, it was still in effect a one fund and how the general offering was used. Yeah. You know? So and I think it's still reported though, because people made commitments to that fund years ago. I'm going to give X amount of dollars or X amount of years and it's still coming. So we report it, but now that'll change yeah. uh, in how we report it. But yeah, 100%. Speaking of commitments, we've gotten one question in three times in the last two weeks that I want to hit on here because <laughs> it's really important. It is really, really important. And it is also, for some reason, like a pretty big friction point for a lot of people. And maybe during this conversation, we can dig into why that is, this idea of the commitment card. Uh, so here's the question that came in. And again, just want to make sure, like pause and l- Maybe turn your radio, whatever you're listening to this on, turn it up a, a volume or two because this is really, really, really important. And I want to make sure we get this right. We can help explain this as much as we possibly can. So you're setting the expectation that we give a good answer here. So we should be able, we should certainly be able to give so a good like we've answer. We've answered here. it a few times. Okay. So I got it. Yeah. We got it. Here's the question uh, on the commitment card it asks for name, email, phone number, um, uh, etc. Uh, is the administration going to be tracking what is given versus what is committed for each family? Why is it important that these commitment uh, uh, cards are not anonymous? That's the question. Who wants to take the first crack at it? Ken? righty. So let me look at the question again. Why are they not anonymous? There's a practical thing, right? A, an anonymous commitment could be, it could have been a a 14-year-old kid that just wrote, oh, I'm going to give a million dollars. They're being One funny. One million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, we have no idea what that is. A yeah. commitment without a name to it is not one that can be counted on because you don't know where it comes from. Right. Um, I think there's a, fr- I think if we have the friction in us, this idea of I don't want people to know what I'm giving I, I think we have to pause and ask myself, why? Why don't I want to put my name to it? Do I not want anyone to ask me about it? Do I not want people to be aware of, of what I'm doing because I can do more or they think I should do more and I don't want anyone to call me on it? Or like, is there this connection? I mean, I think of where your treasure is, there your heart is. Yeah. And is there this connection between my dollars or my treasure? And I'm, that's, that's where I go. Because I think when I get into uncomfortability about money, it's because I want it to be, um, I don't know if private's the word, or I just, I don't really care. Like, I'll okay, I make X, this is, you know. But when we want to keep it close to our vest, I think it's because we don't want to be called on it. Is, is that, that's part, that's what's in us. I don't want to be called higher. Uh, you're already calling me high enough. You don't need to know that I'm doing it. I don't know. I I don't think I have a very good answer. <laughs> no, that's good. Josh, no, I, yeah, again. I, no, I really, so there's a couple of things. The first is this idea. It's weird. Finances, like we want to keep it in the dark. Like it's so strange. Like we don't want anyone to know, right? And I know, so what has been the most helpful for me in every area of my life is when I have people who can hold me accountable. Like, if I'm just telling my own self, Josh, quit doing that sin, I can convince myself of a lot of things. I'm real persuasive in my own mind. Like, <laughs> you can persuade yourself. Yeah, I can persuade myself to do just about anything. The moment it is said out loud, 
to another person. To another person, it gets super real. It literally it happened last week in my discipleship group. I made a comment, and the, one of the guys goes, "So, what do you want us to do? How do you want me to hold you accountable?" And I was like, "Oh, maybe I, I don't. Sh- maybe I right. shouldn't." Right. The reality <laughs> is, I don't. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have confessed that thing. Yeah. It was a good thing, right? It was actually, but it was that's what I needed. I needed somebody to go, "Hey, I'm calling you out in a week, in two weeks, in four weeks, in five weeks." So there's this weird thing that we want to keep money in the dark. And man, I th- that's the enemy. Like he wants us to leave those sins and things in the dark because man, when the light exposes it, we get freedom, that's right. right? And there's something to this, right? That we've been talking about in my discipleship group pretty openly. And I shared with my guys, hey, here's our number that my family's doing because I wanted them to know like, hey, we've been genuinely thinking about this and I want to be held accountable so that I've said it out loud. I'm going to now write that number down on that piece, down that card. Yeah. Right. I think our elders did the same thing. They've they been did. talking yeah. pretty openly about it because, like, we should have, again, not everyone in the church. I don't think we need to stand up from the stage and broadcast it. But I do want people to understand that, man, we are actively thinking about this number. And there are people that are going to hold me accountable. My wife is going to hold me accountable. We're gonna. Hold, I'm gonna hold her accountable. Like we're gonna make decisions. Our staff hold each other accountable. Like that should be something that we are doing because that's how we grow. Yeah. Yep. If you don't put it down, then you could say anything. Like we could. We could go, whatever. And like you said, we were talking about this earlier. There is, like, you do realize if you give any other way but cash. There, you get a statement at the end of the year that tells you what you gave because we track that because we all turn it in on our taxes. Right. Typically, everyone wants us to track it when it has to do with our tax. We do. So again, though, Mm. if somebody was just a smart person, they can figure out really quickly per month what you're giving. We can do averages. Like it's not a hard thing. It's not like hard math here, guys. Right. It's not a. Already, there's people on our team that know. It's not a secret yeah. as now, it is. Now, Ken, Ken, Brenda, and I don't know anyone's uh, particulars, right? No, our pastoral yeah. staff we doesn't know access that stuff, to particulars. Of no, giving. we don't know any no. of that stuff. But I should, as a pastor, be able to sit down with a family. When we have membership, one of the conversations of an expectation is, if you're a member of Quad City, you're giving. Like, it's an expectation. Right. And so I'm going to ask you, are you giving? Now, you can lie. I would hope we don't, but and I can't. I can't come back to you and be like, I caught you in this lie. But I'm gonna, as your pastor, I want to help shepherd you in this area because of all of the warnings. Back to Jason's sermon, all of the warnings in Scripture about money. Right. If we don't have anyone talking to us, how do we think that's gonna end? It's going to end terribly. Like we, as a country, are just a train wreck when it comes to finances. And then the church is no different. Right. And I think some of it is this pervasive idea that no one can know anything about it. Yeah. But we got to have people, especially our pastors. And again, it comes back to the trust. So you should be at a place with people that you can trust to lead you in this area. This, this thing reveals so, like Jason said, it reveals so many of our idols. Our money does. Money reveals the idols. I mean, yes. So if I don't have anyone speaking into this, my idols are going to run rampant. So literally, Diana and I have 
this series that has been here in the, for the past few months, it it is showing us all of our, it is showing all of our stuff. Like all of our desires as a family are just being reframed even just a little bit of yeah. like, man, no man, the kingdom matters more. And so again, I, I just, to answer the question, I think it's just this weird thing in us that the enemy's convinced us that we just got to keep this in the dark. And Jesus preached a lot openly in the crowd and pointed people out who were giving. <laughs> like, I, right. I don't know what else to do with that except to say we should probably just, we got to get over that fear factor, I think. Yeah, if we believe any of this, like even 10%, if we believe that our generosity, the way we spend our money, our stewardship, our uh, financial prudency, if we believe that any of that, even 10% is correlated to our discipleship, to Jesus, which we sure should if we read the Bible, certainly should. If we believe even 10% of that, then we need to start stepping away from this idea that, uh, right, what 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 were we all, you know, born into? This idea that you just, at a Sunday night dinner, you don't talk about money and you don't talk about politics. We're all happy to talk about or politics. Religion. <laughs> or religion, for that matter, yeah. yeah. All happy to talk about our politics, but man, no one's... No one's talking about their money uh, outside of the money they just spent, by the way. Hey, look at my new boat or my new RV. We're happy to talk about that money, mm. but we're not always right eager to talk about the things that we've sacrificed so that we can be generous for kingdom impact. Uh, two, two ways I answer this question. One's really practical to Ken's point. Um, part of this process is like we need to, as a church, make wise financial decisions, uh, forecasting money that's going to come in and and that sort of thing. So a lot of the commitment process is, hey, how are we going to make these decisions? And can we count on Hmm. you to do what you said you're going to do? Me to do what I said I'm going to do. Josh and Ken to do what they said they're going to do. Uh, This idea of commitment. Commitment is a good thing. It holds us to what we feel God's calling us to in this season, which is simply put all that the commitment card is. Right now we're asking you to pray Uh, that God would reveal to you what he's calling your next step in this area of generosity to be. He's, uh, we're asking you to pray that he would reveal clearly to you what it looks like for you and your family to excel in the grace of giving. And when we feel like we have a clear answer from God on that, the commitment allows us to remember that answer in nine months when things get hard in a year and a half when I really want to buy that new truck, but I know what it's going to do to my disposable income. I know what it's going to do to my generosity. The commitment is a way to help us remember what God has already spoken over us, right? Ministry is mostly reminding. We need to constantly remember what it is that God is doing in and through us. And this idea of commitment is a way where uh, you can try to do that on an island. Man, uh, I don't think Good it's going to go very well, right? Really, really easy for me just to buy the truck and say, ah, I'm going to give a little less this month. Um, but man, like we just want to be in this with each other to encourage one another. Here's the other thing I was just thinking about. Um, oftentimes, uh, when we do weddings as uh, pastors, right? And there was this moment, one of my favorite moment uh, moments in weddings is this, uh, and not everybody does this, but this moment where, you know, the pastor is giving a, a message for the wedding ceremony and you've got the bride and the groom and you've got a few hundred people sitting and listening, right? 
And oftentimes there's this moment of recognition to the people who are there. There's this idea that, hey, we look out and we see this crowd and you're not just here to, because there's a free mini bar or because you wanted to get the food or you enjoyed these people's company. You're here because you are a part of this, right? You're not a part of the, the marriage, but you are a part of holding these people accountable to the commitment they are in the middle of making, right? We look yes. out and we have all of this community of people around this young couple about to get married. And it is, hey, this is the community you can lean on in the midst of this. Like that, and that is one of the greatest commitments any of us could ever make in our lives is to be married to one person for the rest of our or, our or their life, yep. right? And it's in the midst of that commitment that we need people to lean on, right? I don't know how many times I've found myself going to the people in my life around this commitment that I've made because it's hard and I don't want to do it, but I need to do it. And I need them to encourage me to continue in on that path. And I signed a piece of paper that I <laughs> yeah. nobody can. Yeah, like, right, I, had yeah. A, I had a I pastor put my tell name me that. To it. I had a pastor tell me that. He goes, I go, honestly, man, some days it's the piece of paper on the wall that I've signed that I know I've made a commitment. He's like, and he was just trying to tell me, like, it's really hard, but like I signed this. Yeah. I said I want this. And that's what keeps me going. So it's not always the the fun mountaintop joyous experience. It's sometimes it's no, I just committed and I'm in and I gotta, even when it's really hard, right? That's a great yeah. I well, say that in weddings all the time. Yeah. yeah. Like you, you know, you've made this commitment for God and others mm-hmm. and each other, and the other people are here to help. Yeah, yeah. that's a that's a great tie into this. I and think. And so when people tell me that marriage is just a piece of paper, I'm like, well then sign it. Like I can have that commitment. I can have that commitment without signing the paper. Okay, well. Not really. Like you can like, so sign it. And so the same way with the card, it's like put your name to it. If and, you, sorry, go uh, ahead, can I cut you off? Uh, well, I was gonna say, I think in assuming the best of people, uh, I think part of the anonymity we want around giving comes from Jesus in Matthew six, talking about giving to the needy. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And that's not what he's talking about. He's like, you right. don't make a show of your giving. You're not announcing it to the world. But I, as we'll see in the text this week the church in Corinth made a commitment. They put it out there. Yeah. They said, this is what I'm going to do. Uh, we're in. So something like, it's along yeah. those lines. Yeah, here's the big caveat of this whole thing. We want you to fill out a commitment card if you mean it. Like if you well actually said. mean, this is this is what I feel God calling me to give. And this is what's my, this is my next step to grow in the grace of giving and to excel in my generosity. If you actually feel that sense, if you don't feel manipulated, if you don't feel like you're just checking a, a thing off of a, a box, like we want you to fill out a commitment card. If it's just because you want to put a big number on a piece of paper, but you don't actually feel compelled to to fulfill that commitment, it is useless. It is actually mm-hmm. more harmful than it is good yes. to any of this. Now, again, we hope through this series that there has been a very clear call. Uh, whether you want to believe it or not, whether you actually want to follow through on it or not, that's the hard part. Um, but if you mean it, like if you feel God and are sensing God doing something in and through you in this season, then absolutely. We want to be with you in it. We want to encourage you. Um, one thing we were talking about a little bit earlier is there is a practical piece of, um, uh, just right. Like weekly, or sorry, monthly or quarterly updates on how the Excel journey is going for our church and some sort of reporting personally that we'll end up doing, 
uh, from our financial team just for the sake of you tracking uh, your giving and that sort of thing, which usually we just do as a year end. You can also log in and see it at any time, but um, there's the practical piece. But genuinely, like it is, I think it is an important um, surrender for us yeah. as a church. Like we are surrendering and saying, hey, this is going to be the next two years. This is what we're doing. And this is how we're doing it moving forward. Yeah. You know, so Diana and I, each year, we try to, our goal has always been, we want to give more than the previous year. Yeah. And you know how I know that? Usually, if we were successful, it's a statement. It's that statement at the end of the year. (laughs) And we go, we did it. Like we achieved the goal that we set for ourselves, right? Like I think I was telling the Wednesday night group that is like, I I think part of this is because one of the questions from last week is, hey, do you even have a plan? when it comes to yearly finances. Like a part of this is we're just, we're helping people actually think through an actual plan. And when it's on paper, I know for me, the budget, it's, I follow it better. When it's ethereal in my head, I'm just like, ah, but part of my budgeting, giving is included in that. And so we're thinking through practically. And again, that's the goal. Even if it's a penny, it's got, I right. just want to be more generous. Like, I, that's what we want to do. That's what we want to achieve. And again, I only know that because of people at the end of the, because I don't, like, you know, I don't, we don't keep the checkbook anymore. We're not writing down all the things. We do the bank. Yeah. But it's so great to get that piece of paper at the end of the year and go, man, that's incredible. Look what God, look how God's blessed us yeah. this year and how able, we were able to be generous. And so again, I think it's just helping people move. And the other thing I was going to say is like, we're not going to come shake you down. Like we can't do that. Right. That's, not, that's not who you're like. Again, now, again, if, if you trust us to be your pastors and to help shepherd you, this is part of it. This is part of it. And, and if you really come to me and go, Hey, Josh, man, we made this commitment, man, this is what's going on. Like we want to rally around you and help you. Right. And we yeah. want to pastor you and shepherd you right? And really do that for you. And there may be some, I hope you do have people in your life who you've told the commitment and they ask you in six months, how's it going? And you're like, oh, I'm not been doing it. And they go, what's wrong with you? You know, God spoke to you. Yeah, It was very clear and they hold you accountable, right? Whether that's one of us or just somebody in your discipleship group. Yeah, side note, if you're in a discipleship group, you should be having that conversation. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because those are the people that it makes the most sense with. Right. Right. right? I'm gonna Ones tell them in. about I'm gonna tell them about everything. Money has to be a part of that. Yep. Um, so again, I think that's the so don't when you fill it out, that doesn't give us as your pastors full blown permission to knock on your door and go, <laughs> Ken. You're six months behind. <laughs> we're not sending you invoices. We're, no. not turning, invoices. we're not turning around and sending you a legally binding contract for your financial commitment to our church. It's not what's happening. Uh-uh. It's, it's just, again, practically for us to track it, but I think you as a person, you've put it on paper. That's where the heaviest accountability, I think, is. It's like, I've said, said I'm going to do this. Out loud. Um, I've yes. spoken into existence. Right. Yeah. I yeah. think something you said there, Brendan, you said through this series was, and, you know, Lisa and I have been talking about this since February or March, you yeah. know, and, but this series has sparks conversation. Like, man, can we, can we do more? Can we, like, how do we do that? Like, it just, this, even when the series ends, it doesn't mean it's over. Like, this is something that should be worked on in our heart and our character and our following of Jesus for the rest of our life. And that's why it's a discipleship issue, not us just trying to build a building. Yes. Yeah. That's the key to this, right? Again, 
one of the benefits for sure is you're going to build a building. But more so when you're 25 years down the road, and if you're no longer at Quad City because you've moved on, I hope you're still as a follower of Jesus and a disciple asking how you can keep being more generous. Yeah. Yep. Like, because whatever church you're in, we should be those people. Build the kingdom. That's what I hope is that, man, as we finish this, is if people do go elsewhere, that they're going with now the biblical mindset to go, I'm given. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm in. I support this. Or, man, we just got called over here because we had a job change. And they walk into that church and they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to support the mission and vision here because that's that's our part. We're the disciples who help grow the kingdom. And so I'm excited for, again, the long-term piece of what this is going to do for families and couples and singles and disciples of Jesus to remove this idol or idol revealer from our lives, just to continue to surrender and lay it down little by little. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, last question here. That was a long one, but I feel like that was super necessary. <laughs> um, let's dig into this. Uh, got this last question that says this, though the Excel initiative no is no doubt uh, coming from the best in uh, leadership intentions, how does our church counteract the systems, practices, and aspirations of an evangelical culture that can, often in the seemingly innocent way, uh, infiltrate our own consciousness? For example, uh, the vision that big is best. How do we fight market-driven consumerist uh, ideologies or idolatries or the style that often uh, that is often discussed that merely mirrors the world as it is, as opposed to providing a stark, scandalous contrast uh, through the simple exposition of the uh, and the power of the word, something that has always been a strength of our church through Jason's preaching. Um, that was a long way to ask that question. I almost kind of summed it up like this: How do we prevent? a far too common vision drift of the growing church. I've only been here for a little while, so not even two years. I I don't feel like he's getting less like ornery in his preaching, right? <laughs> no. Like I, like he's had plenty of opportunities to, to not off. say the thing yet. Like he openly was like, well, if you came ready to be angry, I'm going to tell you Sunday, here it is. Like, and not in like a, uh, he's not trying to be confrontational. He's just trying to right. preach the word of God. Yes. So I, I don't know, Kenny, you've been here a lot longer than me. You tell me, has he drifted? So <laughs> one, the short answer is no, absolutely <laughs> not. He's probably even grown in it, but I'll never forget the day we're building the auditorium. So it's sometime in 2018, uh, the vision of the new auditorium is coming together and we're standing on the platform and, you know, we got the shell up or standing there. And, you know, Jason's always like, he's the Eeyore, right? And he's just got this stressful countenance about him. I'm like, what are you thinking? He said, I'm thinking I don't want the temptation of this change of our, to make me change. I don't want to withhold the truth as I see it in the word of God. Like, I, I want to keep bringing the, the message that gives life. And I'd say he's done that. He has not, he hasn't changed because there's more people in the room. Uh, or the expectations of people are different when they come in. So we've navigated that once, and now we have a, uh, I think, a, a, even a more of a culture of, I look at how we've, in the last 18 months, 
with it, even with the, our core values, discipleship groups, how we're trying to structure our church and our ministries to make more and be better. Uh, yeah. And any organization can deal with mission or vision drift. It's just up to the staff, the elders, and people like Marielle asking the question, yeah. hey, let's speak up. Let's make sure we're right. doing what we're supposed to do. Yeah, that's really good, Ken. I loved that example when we talked about it earlier because the best right predictor of future behavior is past performance in similar situations. Like we we did this once. We went from a 200-person, 225-person auditorium to a 500-person auditorium. Um, and if anything, to your point, we are challenging people to make more and better disciples at an even deeper le level now than we ever did that. That's right. Um, and again, you and I have both been here a while. Josh has been here a little bit. And even in that little bit has seen um, that our leadership, and take it off Jason's shoulders for a moment, like our the leadership, um, the elders of our church are dedicated to those, to the mission, to our core values, right? To multiplying disciples, to teaching the Bible, to being better together, like all of these things that we say are the most important things for us. They are dedicated to it. The reason, in fact, that they are here, <laughs> the reason they chose, because before any of them were elders, right? They chose Quad City to be their church. Yes. It's because they were drawn in by these values and these virtues and the way that we teach the Bible and the things that we stand for as a local church. So, right, there's you know, if we continue to do a good job of empowering leadership in our church, especially at the highest level, that are bought into the way that we make more and better disciples, we're not going to have just that random person that pops up one day and says, hey, we should just take it easy a little bit. Like, no, they're here <laughs> because we don't take it easy. We don't pull our punches when it comes to the way that we teach the Bible and all the credit in the world to Jason for doing that for the last 15 years. Like, it's a part of his DNA. And by the way, if you've been around a while, I know Mike and Mariella, you guys have been. You, I hope, have seen what I've seen in the last 10 years, which is with this practice that he has had, Jason is getting better. Like he's getting even better at honing in what it looks like to hold grace in one hand and truth in the other and try to compel our people to follow the biblical commands that we see and the things we see taught in scripture in a way that is both empathetic and compelling and uh, truthful, right? I think he's getting even better and I'm excited about what that means. Here's the reality that we know and that we're not going to shy away from is that like we genuinely believe there is a hunger and a thirst for the word of God from our culture. We don't believe, man, what we've seen in the last 40 or 50 years of church growth, what we see over and over again is that frustrates many of us who have been longtime churchgoers. It's this kind of soft and consumeristic Christianity, this I'm going to give, I'm going to produce for you this experience so that you can feel good about yourself, Christianity. And I think there's a real shift. I think generationally, even there's a real shift in that. I think the, the, um, uh, uh, what's a good phrase for this? The, uh, authenticity meter of the newer generations is even stronger than those of the old. And I think people are, are actually longing for truth. And we, what we know is we find truth in the word of God and the way it's taught. So we're going to continue to do that. There is this other underlying thing in this question, the, and it's this idea we've maybe pushed back a little bit against, um, how is it worded here? Uh, this vision of big is best. I don't think anyone would say big is best um, be on our team. On best our is best. Yeah, best is best. So there's this idea that big is bad and small is good. 
when I just don't think that's true, I think bad is bad and good is good. Um, There's, there's plenty of big churches that are great Bible teaching churches. There are plenty of small churches that are off mission, off vision, consumeristic, bad churches. There, there just are. So I don't think trying to draw a parallel of quantity of believers that gather in a local community and the quantity, uh, quality of that experience is really all that helpful. I really think it is vision and mission and making sure we're staying on those things. I think it's good leadership and strong Bible teaching and being in community and driving our people and challenging them to take the next steps like we're doing in the midst of this series, even though we know that it's going to be like sandpaper to the face of some of our people. Like we know it's going to be hard. And some of us. And some of us. And us. Right. Across the board. Um, so I just, yeah, I always want to try to dispel as much as possible that idea. Now I do know that there's some really prominent examples of growing churches that lose, uh, drift away from right, the mission. Go off the rails. hundred percent. But for every large church that happens to, there's three dozen small churches that you've never heard of that that happens to also. So I just wanted to dispel that idea that a growing church is a bad thing. I think God is honored by the increase of numbers in his kingdom. <laughs> like, I think he wants his kids to come home. That's what I believe That's, about our father. Yes. And I want to be a part of a church that does everything that we can to grow the number of people in heaven well, and, and do it with integrity and without drifting from the mission and vision. And regardless of this number of people who gather, the size of the church, your, cause you mentioned about your community, we all got the bandwidth for like five yeah. relationships of depth. So whether there's 5,000 people coming to your church or 50 people, you might know the names of all 50 people, but you got five real friends. That's And if it's 5,000 people, you've got room for five real friends. Yep. Right. And I mean, if this be guaranteed in the next series, he'll say something that'll run off a few more and get a little bit smaller. That's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's happened a like, bunch of times. It's, it's not here. Like, like, again, yes, though, and that's, I mean, we joke about it, but what we know is the Word of God is very offensive to all of us because it's convicting. And it's like when, if you sit in here, you either one or two things. You're like, no, I need this and I want to change. Or eventually you're just like, I just don't want to feel bad about myself anymore. I'm just <laughs> going to go somewhere else. Because it's easy to do that. Like we can yeah. go, and again, no judgment to any other church. Like what I know here is, again, and what I love is, is from people who've been here a long time, like nothing's really changed, right? There's obviously more people on the team. There's more stuff, but it feels like you've just been doing the same thing forever, right? And it's just grown. And there were some factors that kind of play into that, but there's not been this huge shift of, the only thing, I mean, the biggest shift is there was a building that could fit people. Right. That was the shift, right? So people probably came before, but they was uncomfortable and didn't want to stay. That happens. You're like, I don't like this. This is too crowded. It's too crowded. It's not that there's too many people. The room's too small for the number of people. So again, that's what we know. Like the same way in quad in Prescott Valley is once that space gets there, people are always searching and looking and they want that truth because you instinctively, you need it and you feel it, right? And so I'm excited that we're going to be the same church. Yeah. Like the building isn't going to shift us into the seven ways to love out of, you know, some awesome book, right? Like, Jason's core conviction is to teach the Bible, and that's what he does. And he's really like a one-trick pony, like which is great. (laughs) It's awesome, and he will tell you that. That's what he does, man. Like it's it's not like 
again, he doesn't have some secret sauce, right? He spends time in the word and goes, as as our shepherd is going, I have to tell people this because if I, literally, y'all, that's what he asked. What are the things that people aren't telling us? And he he's just willing to say them. And yeah. so he he's just willing to be the bad guy. Yes. He's okay with that. And yeah. I love that because that's a shepherd who's making sure his sheep don't jump in the crack and get stuck. Right. And I love that video. It's a great oh, video. And that's if you've not seen it. the video of the sheep running along the the uh what it's is like it? a trench or it's something. It's a trench, like, like an irrigation trench, and it dives headfirst into the trench and gets stuck, and then the shepherd yanks it out and it takes four more steps and dives right back into the trench. It's fantastic. So he just keeps <laughs> and that's why because it's Christianity we he keeps reminding us the same things because we keep jumping in the trench. Yeah. And I think what's important, like you said, we're gonna next series is gonna be on the Holy Spirit, and he's gonna say something that offends people. And, and so part of doing the hard things and part of being better together is we have the hard conversations like, hey, Skipper or Josh, or whoever was preaching, Brennan, you said this thing and I wholeheartedly disagree and, and here's why. And is there, like, let's talk. Instead, what people tend to do is they'll just leave and they start talking trash about the person that said it. So much like Jesus, right? It's yeah. such a Jesus-like response. I've been on, in a year and a half, man, I've had more, uh, more difficult conversations about the word of God, but th- it's been encouraging. Yeah. Like I, yes, I want have to those. do that. I want to talk about, and I want, and I've had awesome conversations where we leave it and the person's like, Hey, I still believe what I believe on issues that aren't a matter of salvation, right? The open-handed stuff. It's been so encouraging because we are in a culture that we just yell at each other and then we block you on social media. Right. We We've our actually corners. done I had so many awesome conversations with believers that's like, oh, well, that's awesome you believe that. Hey, this is kind of where I land. And I'm like, cool. Let's keep chasing after Jesus together. Yeah. We have them on our team regularly. We do, we do very regularly. And again, it's, it is f- for someone who wants that, wants to be challenged and wants to grow. That's why, that's why I love being here because I want my faith to be stretched. I want people to have outside views or differing views to challenge my preconceived notions because I could be wrong. <laughs> right. I, I, yes. I, I am about things <laughs> and I need I need those checks. And so I don't think that's going, again, to say all what we've said, I don't think any of that's going away. Yep. From And again, like you said, not just Jason. I think our whole team has that attitude yeah. because not only did that's why the elders came here, that's why I came here. Right. That's why you've stayed and yeah. Ken, that's why you've stayed and that's why all the guys, why David and Austin, that's why they've come here because there's I was in places that didn't do that and I and I missed it. I missed just the word of God. Yeah. being proclaimed and so again, we're all here because we want this. Like <laughs> we actually want to be a part of this and so we're not going to let that go off the rails either. Yeah. So, I mean, the real answer to the question, right? How do we avoid the drift? How do we avoid, you know, just following culture? It's two, twofold. Like, I really believe it's uh, the role of our highest leadership. I believe it's the role of our elders. That's part of their whole job is to not only shepherd our people and shepherd our staff, but to stay on course. So that's one piece. The second piece, though, is it's the role of our members. It's the role of our people. Like, for you guys, if you are hearing something that feels like a drift in vision, if you're hearing us pull our punches, if you're hearing us shy away from the hard thing, um, say it. Like, that's a conversation we need to be having for sure. So, it's twofold. uh, And I'm sure there's more that goes into it. But um, 
we went a little long today, so we're going to let that be that. And uh, man, what a, what a good conversation. That's always encouraging to me. So thanks for joining us. We'll uh, talk again real soon. All right. Well, that is a wrap on another episode of the Becoming Better podcast. We're so glad you joined us for this time today. Hey, just a reminder that this upcoming Sunday, September 24th, is Commitment Sunday for our Excel initiative. Again, this does not mean by any means that you're expected to bring a sizable offering or fistfuls of cash or bags of quarters. That's not what this Sunday is about. This Sunday is all about making the commitment that we feel God is calling us to make over the course of this two-year initiative. It's all about saying uh, what we feel we are called to be doing when it comes to excelling in this grace of giving. Again, a reminder that our primary goal is 100% engagement for all who call Quad City their church. As a part of Sunday's uh, message, we will have a moment where we bring forward commitment cards and do all of that. But again, just a reminder, it's not an expectation that you're cutting a check this Sunday. Uh, we will begin uh, the financial commitment piece on October 22nd. October 22nd is Big Give Sunday. It's an opportunity to bring stored assets or just to write your first uh, Excel commitment check, whatever that looks like, uh, based on your personal commitment. If you have any questions about the way all of that works, please feel free to reach out, office at quadcity.church. Shoot us an email. We'd love to help uh, clarify as much as we can there. Well, again, we hope that this conversation was fruitful in your walk and obedience uh, to Jesus, and uh, we hope to see you again real soon.